Aloha, loyal Real Nerds listeners. Sorry about the delay on this, but we had a technical difficulty. And you're only going to be hearing one half of our show, the Harry Potter finale review. But to recap what we talked about, we talked about Submarine, a movie that Brad saw and no one else did. We also talked about Power Rangers and how James explained that they did explain how Rocky trid with the show and with it's got to be, I don't know, I never watched Power Rangers. And we also talked about Evil Dead 4. So sorry about that, but please enjoy our awesome Harry Potter finale. And I almost forgot about how shitty Netflix is for upping their prices by 60%. So yeah, to recap, Power Rangers, Evil Dead 4, Submarine, and fuck you, Netflix. Enjoy! Oh, you like sushi? <laughs> you like Kung Pao chicken? Then come to China Spice. It is very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go to hell. Hey, you guys hungry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry. Where should we go to eat? Dude, that was gold. You cannot change that. Commercial. There's, not a, good, no, there's not a good Chinese food place around here, is there? Actually, there is. Well, not around Belmar, but if <laughs> oh, you well, don't feel like going out of here way too far. Head on up to Louisville, where you can go to Spice China and enjoy a delicious blend of Japanese and Chinese cuisine. Are we talking uh, about Louisville? Louisville, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Boulder in Denver. Yeah. Not going out to Kentucky. I call it Louisville, too, though. Unless you want to go out there. It is okay, Louisville. I like Louisville. It is Louisville cool. in Colorado. Louisville. Louisville. Yes. I'm gonna but, say it but China Louisville Spice is so good in Louisville. <laughs> you know what? Let's, let's, ask, let's ask Mr. Lee if he likes it. Oh, my favorite part is... The sushi, haha, it's so good. Thanks, Mr. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the worst. I have friends in, in Louisville. I'll have to tell them to go check this place out. Yeah. Uh, so go. this commercial that I'm in uh, has just succeeded. <laughs> exactly. It has. But uh, our friend Adam already has new customers. He does, and he is the talented sushi chef at yes. China Spice. It's so good. I would have everything there. Next week he'll call us and tell us not to talk about his restaurant anymore. <laughs> We're gonna use that voice. That was like my Michael Scott <laughs> being yeah. Chinese guy, Mr. Ping. <laughs> Mr. Ping. Oh. Anyways, yeah, try China Spice. It is delicious. Spice China. Spice China. What the fuck? I don't care. <laughs> Spice China. Hey, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our Chinese sushi restaurant oh, commercial. God damn it, Ryan. What? <laughs> Never mind. You, uh, you don't listen. What? Uh, I don't even know why that was funny. Don't call. Uh, you don't have to explain the commercial that we just aired. It's supposed to be what innocuous? Is that the word? All right, fine. Seamless. Welcome back to Real Nerds. I am Ryan. It doesn't matter. He's gonna leave all this in there anyway. No, he won't. He'll take. He takes it out all the time. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Actually, last week's episode was the most. I've edited any show ever. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I took half an hour out of that show. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, just There's the a fun, lot of pauses because we were just like, um... Yeah. the movie was good. Well, you're right. It's hard to talk about comedy. Yeah. That's why I didn't come. <laughs> That's what she said. And oh, yeah. Me. Hey, this is the trailer for Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows 2. Fought valiantly. 
join me and confront your fate. We've kept him alive so that he can die at the proper moment. Bring him to me. Let's find out where he is. If we find him, we can end this. Let's say we jump now! Suicide mission. The boy who lived come to die. Tell them how it happened that night. How you looked him in the eye. A man who trusted you and killed him. I never wanted any of you to die for me. You'll stay with me. Always. Until the end. No! Come on, Tom. Let's finish this the way we started. Together! Dude, sweet. So, hey guys, you're not very big Harry Potter fans. You're just you've just seen the movies. What did you guys think? I I think you should go first. You think I should go first? I think you should go first. Why you think you're gonna crush my soul or something? Uh no, no, no. Um, I thought it was a good ending to Harry Potter. I mean, it was everything that was built up to be. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I've read the books. I already know how it was gonna end. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the movie visually was really incredible. And, you know, I thought it's interesting. I watched the first movie this week and how much those children that who are now young adults have grown as actors. And yeah. I mean, now they're pretty good actors and being able, I think it's pretty amazing that they've had basically, well, all the actors are the same for 10 years on yeah. a series, which is really amazing. And I mean, like I was Star Trek level. <laughs> yeah. I was reading uh, interviews with the crew and the crew is all the same. The people, the set designers, the costumes, and all the... I mean, the directors have changed. Yeah. But everything else has been consistent. They rented out, I I don't know, it was a warehouse or something. And it's been literally the Harry Potter sets for just 10 years. Yeah. Nothing else has been there. And that's why all the movies have great continuity because they all look the same because it's all just in the same sets constantly. That was one of the things that impressed me was uh, before the movie, the girls had been talking, sort of making fun of the the child actors as not having been as good and i i was actually surprised at how how good i thought they were though what i realized is is that they they do look they they come off a little rusty and and amateurish mostly because they're surrounded by like a cast of the greatest <laughs> yeah. british actors alive i mean just little side characters are really amazing actors that are doing they're you know not their top game, but still good enough that I think they they sort of outshine these kids that are are doing a decent enough job. Well, yeah, I mean when you have someone like Rickman 
Right. As, yeah. That's the that's point. the real kicker. You know, or uh, and Ralph Fiennes. Uh, yeah, and you know, even Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid. You know, you have actors that are just amazing actors in the kids. I mean, you're they're always going to be some sort of drop when you go from those actors to the kids. But I yeah. I think the kids are actually pretty good actors, and I don't. Uh, I think I think it's an interesting thing that you Stuart go lay down, get Shecky. His breath is probably. I know it's annoying. Mic. Get. Uh, it sounds and like I'm uh, going. <laughs> Brad, you're really into Harry Potter. <laughs> he is. He really loves Emma Watson. It's really kind of creepy. And it's. I, I feel like the kids don't. The kids don't have as much as, as their characters don't give them as much like subtlety to play with as you know the villains. There's a lot going on there, and like you know, Ray Fiennes and 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 um, Rickman especially. They get to be. Uh, they get to deliver their lines in these sort of creepy, neat ways and behave in these ways. Oh, yeah, that you are, know, I think... Uh, uh, they jump off the screen a whole lot more than the kids that are sort of, you know, they're actually, we'll get to this, they're kind of flat as far as what they actually, you know, do, you know. Yeah, I think Rickman, too, he has such... He, he created a character for Snape that I think is why he's so popular because he has that delivery where it's kind of really monotone and it's really drawn out, you know, when he says, you know, if anybody knows where yeah. Potter is. And he yeah. he just has, he has that character. I think it's probably because he's been the character for 10 years. You can start developing those little nuances that, I mean, it's, it, I watched the first one. He does the same thing in the first one. But, you know, it's it's kind of cool seeing them grow that way. And Yeah. Yeah, I thought the movie was really good. I mean, because... You wanted to the payoff to be spectacular, and I thought you know they did a pretty good job of that last battle scene and what you're waiting for. And I mean, you guys can chime in anytime. You're looking at me like I'm a dipshit. <laughs> oh, I thought oh. you were gonna like cue us up, like Brad. What did you think? Oh no, I was... um, well, Brad. What did you as think? someone who doesn't follow the Harry Potter universe that closely? Um, I thought the definitely the consistency and the quality of the movies has stayed very solid. But um, as far as story, I was I was very confused and lost a lot of the time, and I also felt like the movie didn't need to be two parts, which I said about the last one. But like, I thought this movie was going to be three hours long in itself, but it was only two. And I think if you maybe just take turn the first one into one hour, and then this last one maybe an hour and a half, that would have sufficed. So. Um, because I felt like this second half, unless I'd watched the other one right before it, it, it calls back to a lot of things in the past movies that I've forgotten about because I don't follow it a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. I read an interview with the director and the screenwriter and they, I mean, they mentioned that and they said, yeah, well, I mean, if you're going in and seeing the eighth movie, if you don't know what happened before, then we can't help you. And <laughs> I mean, and they're, I mean, they're right because I mean, they're not going to. You do really want another thirty minutes of exposition of why they're doing this stuff, and I, I, yeah, I mean because usually fans are the only ones. I don't know anybody that's hasn't seen a Harry Potter movie and says, you know what, it's the last one. I'm going to go in here and I'm going to see what this is all about. So on that note, uh, I I went into this movie not having seen the last three. Oh wow, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. Oh yeah, I hadn't seen the last. Three. So this is the part two, and I haven't seen part one. Not only that, but I haven't seen the last one. I saw was Goblet of Fire, which was atrocious. But um, I, and I was always like, you know, 
there are things about these movies that I like. I read the first book, and that was all I needed to read. Um, so the the important thing is here, anybody who's listening to this or you guys, well, more Ryan, who are already Potter fans, just everything that I say, just tell yourselves, well, it's because he hasn't seen the other movies, <laughs> but that's not really true. Like, anyway, th- this movie started, and I... I don't want to say I was totally in, but I was definitely intrigued and a little excited where, because it starts and, you know, I I know enough about what happened at the end of the last one. You know, I know that, like, Dobby gets them through a rift and then, like, the Punisher shoots him or something and then, (laughs) uh, like, they're at this house, right? And and that whole scene to me was, was pretty cool where, you know, obviously I don't know really what's going on, but I felt like there's, there's sort of stuff bubbling and I, I know that, like, all right, we're building to something, and it's going to just sort of take off, right? And we got this goblin, and something's going on there. But then we get to... And, and then we go to the we go to the bank, and there's this scene that's very 3D-oriented <laughs> where they're, they're riding this rail, you know, this uh, roller coaster, uh, roller coaster yeah. thing. And then we get to the dragon, and the dragon is really cool. And I'm like, all right, this is cool. And... Then they fight the dragon, they just jump on the dragon, and the dragon just flies off, and that's the end of that scene. And from then on, it, I, I feel like the momentum just died there, and the rest of the movie was exactly what I expect from a Harry Potter movie, which is that I, I don't feel like there are actions and consequences in these movies. I feel like things just sort of happen at characters, and there are oodly gobs of rules, but none of them are very firm. You know, they just sort of change what's going on in the story at any time and just sort of like come up with new ideas for why you know oh something bad's gonna happen to this person but then we'll just change the rules uh, I I don't know it none of it really works for me and I don't the thing that bugs me about it is that I don't actually think that there's an an action scene in the movie that is exciting uh, I I feel like when it when it comes to the end of the movie I'm watching... It's like if at the end of Return of the Jedi, when Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader are going to fight, if they just pointed their lightsabers at each other and then grimaced for a while, and then Darth Vader died. Like, that's what I feel like the end of this movie is. Like, Mm. I never have felt like any of the wizard battles in these movies have ever been more than... they, They don't have any weight to them. Like, it's just two guys shooting fireworks at each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I was actually complaining to someone else today that there's we've watched these uh seven mo- or i guess eight movies and i've never noticed a progression of the skill set yeah. of these kids they maybe learn a new trick and attach a name to it but like the part where they're in the burning junk room yeah um they have to climb the chairs can't they whip out a spell and just get oh, to, yeah. to the top it, it it definitely I I have a lot of that problem where I feel like they've inter- they introduce so much into these movies of think about how magical all this stuff is and how you can just do anything in these movies that then every time that they're in any kind of trouble I think well why don't they just do this or that and yeah in the final battle half the time they're running across Hogwarts yeah like doesn't Hermione have the teleportation thing no 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 the teleportation there's certain objects that teleport you it's not you can just do it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to answer your question about the skill set, they actually do in the fifth movie, The Order of the Phoenix, they all start learning and they, they practice and they start getting better. And Harry Potter trains them. 
to a fight a little bit but I'm, I'm like by the last one i'm expecting harry to have like some major trick up his sleeve i definitely feel like because uh, i i really don't think that harry potter does that much in this movie where i don't know i don't know why things i guess i should go back and see the this is this really is the one moment where it's like well james you're missing a part of the story but i feel like i don't know how we got to this place because uh at the end harry potter doesn't really do i mean he does some stuff, but I don't think he's that special that all these people that have been his professors and all of that who stand up and help him at the end and help defeat the bad guys, I'm going, why didn't why didn't you do that at the beginning? Like why how did know, it get this much bad? More powerful wizards than Harry. Like they have way more knowledge of magic, yeah. yet Harry is better at yeah. fighting Voldemort than any of them. It's kind of just weird. Well, it's because the... the All it explains is, like, well, they're tied together, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's why. I mean, you got the point. This is why... This is the biggest argument I get with my wife. Uh, to me, I still think Dumbledore's the biggest villain in Harry Potter. Because I think he... He can't beat Voldemort. So he uses Harry Potter. Because Harry Potter is tied to Voldemort. And that's how he can find the Horcruxes. Is he... He sees Lord Voldemort. Because they have a connection. and A telekinetic connection, I guess. For lack of a better word. And so he can see where, yeah, there you go. Telepathic. Telepathic. And so he can see where these objects are and he knows what he's looking for. That's right. You're right. Yeah. And and Dumbledore knows this and he uses Harry because he, I mean, even the scene, actually, I think this is one of the, I I don't know why people don't see this like I do. I I don't know if I just see it differently, but the scene he has with Snape, and I mean, it's written, I think, almost exactly the same in the book where Snape is saying, you know, what are you doing? You know, you're seriously going to send this kid to die? And well, he only Dumbledore... does it because because the spell backfired. Like, if that spell hadn't backfired on Voldemort, there would be no use for Harry. So Dumbledore wouldn't have used him. Yeah, but it's I, only because. But, but what, no, I, I know what you're saying, but I mean, he knows the consequences of what Harry has to do. He knows that Harry's going to die, but he lets him do it anyways. You know, he doesn't tell him saying, "Hey, you know, because you have a part of Voldemort in you, and if you have to die." And that's that's the whole scene with Snape, and I just don't get why people don't see it that way. Like Snape is saying how much he cares for Harry Potter yeah. because he loves Harry Potter's mom, and he says, "Well, you're falling for a boy. I don't care. He needs to die." And that's to me is where Dumbledore stopped being this iconic wizard, where he just became kind of a treacherous liar. He he's lying. He's lying. No, it's, he's, it's, it's no, it's holding. It's what Brad said this when we talked about this at the movie last night. It. Uh, he, he Brad brought up the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few thing you know in a way that is not it's not quite Spock but it's it's still like he know the, it's it's the only plan that Dumbledore sees that will Ensure save victory. everybody yeah. I guess though, yeah, no, how, though, but, how, how can Dumbledore go up to Harry at any point like it's really tough to say well, no, look. I, I understand the only way that defeat part. this guy is to die. Like, but what what I don't get is why people forgive Dumbledore for it. Like he he sets Harry up for all of this. Like yeah. he he sets him up for his fall. He sets Snape up to be murdered, and like he he does it, and he knows. I mean, did he set Snape to, up to be murdered? Yeah, I thought it was an accident because Voldemort just didn't understand. He yeah, got too cocky about. Well, no, he he knew, but he knew the risks too, and yeah. I, I think that's the flaw in his character because even what they really didn't touch on in the movie is he did the same thing to his brother and his sister. And there's like a whole scene where they talk about the, uh, I can't go into it. It's just really long, but you know, to me to be deceitful and to lie to somebody and not give them all the information they need, 
I, I think makes you a villain. You know, it's not in the traditional sense where Voldemort, I want to kill this person, I want to do this, I want to rule. But in a way, it's very deceitful. I, to I'm, me, I mean, I'm, even, I'm kind of okay with it because it makes... To me, it makes that character at least a little bit interesting, whereas if he would just... The, part of the problem with, for these, with these movies for me is that uh, Dumbledore... And even in the, Dumbledore is dead, and yet he still shows up at the end to explain everything that's going on, uh, which just happens through all of these things. Um, that's in the book, too. I, yeah, I know. Because um, <laughs> I, hear, I, I hear people who are fans complain about it, and then I'm going like, okay, so why is it in the movie? Um, but too, you know, I, I think I don't think Harry's actually seeing Dumbledore. I think the spell like that Voldemort shot him with kind of knocked him out, and he's it's a manis- manifestation spell, of his own. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's playing it out Dumbledore. in his mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that like that to me makes that character at least a little more interesting. I, I'm glad you brought up the Snape thing because that's actually one of the things I have written down is that uh, I'm actually amazed that one of the things I've always been very curious about is where they were going to go with Snape because in the first one they set him up in in, in a at first a rather cliche way of like he's the he's the teacher who teaches dark magic who you think like okay well he's either a bad guy or he's pretending to be a bad guy but he's really a good guy and i think that they've walked that line with that character really well and getting to see where that goes is really neat and finding out what that story really is about his relationship with harry's mom and all that that to me was really cool that was the one story in the movie where i was going like this this is a well-written subplot that i enjoy Unfortunately, the way Snape ends in the movie is just kind of lame. Like, it kills him in the boathouse. Like, that's not... Kind of goes out like a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not... It doesn't It doesn't feel interesting. I feel like that character should know ahead of time that certain things are going to happen and should be more in control of certain like, well, things. I, I, but think, I think he did. I think he accepted his fate. I mean, because... But I don't think he should have. Yeah, I've, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. But. Like, I, I, that's, he may have uh, thought that you know, if he sacrifices himself, it may give Harry an advantage. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, because he played his part long Voldemort enough, will where, be distracted or whatever. Where Harry learned the true meaning know. behind it, and you know, know, it's cool to see. I'm glad because one of the biggest secrets I knew for people of like you who've never seen, it, I knew that Snape was actually the hero of the the whole series. You yeah. know, he's a guy who protected Harry in the first one. He's a guy who protect. He always is protecting Harry. And that he gave Harry his um, Patronus spell, which is his protection spell. And he thought it was from his mom, but it was really, really from Snape. And Snape's the one who kind of helps him throughout the whole book without you knowing until. Yeah, the I'm glad very it played end. out this way, too, because, you know, I've read the books. So when I watched the last movie, and, you know, it, it ends with you assuming that he's turned evil. Like, mm-hmm. to me, it looks like he's just like, they threw this in here, like, oh, now Snape's evil. Yeah, chew on that, and now mm. this wraps it up. Is is just it was part of the the disguise. So. I had, I had asked before we went into the movie because I knew there were a couple things. Okay, I need to know what I'm supposed to think going into this movie, and so I'd asked uh, whether at this point whether or not I was supposed to think he was evil, and Aaron said, "Oh, yeah, he's evil." And my first reaction was disappointment because I thought, Re- like, really, that can't it, it has to turn. Like in this last movie, it's got to turn and have him actually be good the whole time because. If if the mean teacher ends up having really just been the mean teacher, it just sucks all all the interest out of that character. So I am that is like the one thing that I really enjoyed and thought was done well in the movie. Um, and he actually became the he's the most popular character in Harry Potter. Like he's my favorite character, but even um, huge. I mean, there's bigger Harry Potter fans. Obviously, my wife's a bigger Harry Potter fan than me. But there's people that think he's the best character too, and that's kind of cool to see. 
that he is as well because he has like a huge redemption and uh, I think there's a good payoff in the movie and the books. But okay, I do want to make this point, which is my my biggest argument against this movie, uh, which is that you know I knew going into this how I feel about the way these movies are written and how I feel about sort of the convoluted nature of their stories and and the, the constant Deus Ex Machinas, and I was like I can deal with that kind of stuff as long as the ride itself is fun. As long as when there's action scenes, they've got some punch and they're creative and, and there's something really going on. And I feel like, you know, like I said, the, 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 the most fun I had was in that dragon scene at the beginning and it just sort of, it just sort of ends, you know? Like they, they jump on the back of the dragon and I think, well, that's a bad idea. Like you're going to get in trouble. Like this is, this is supposed to be a crazy idea. The dragon's probably going to try and kill you. And the dragon just flies out of the ceiling, you know, burns some guys, flies out of the ceiling, and that's it. And then there's 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 actually two scenes in the movie where they build tension. I think there's a third one, too. There's a, like this. They build tension, and you think something's about to happen, and then the characters just get wet, and that's the end of the scene. There's the one on the... Uh, the roller coaster ends with, like, Harry and Ron are yelling and, and they, you don't know what's going on and you're seeing something but you don't know what you're seeing and then the roller coaster just goes through some water and they stop. And then that's, that's right before they drop and I guess that's supposed to be the end but it's just that they're wet. And then there's another one where they, they break one of the horcruxes and all of this water is running at the characters and, and you're like, oh no, what are they doing? And they're just standing there and then they just get wet. Right. Because in and the that's last all, movie... That's the whole scene. They have to fight whatever comes out of the horc... Like whatever manifests out of the horcrux in yeah. the last one. In, in this movie... Each time they destroy it, it's just like mist. Yeah, or like they throw it over there and then it goes away. Which I imagine in the books, there's more of that. Um, but I, I just never feel like the actions and you know, there's the fights in the castle, which sometimes they, I don't know. There, there's one, there's one little scene I remember specifically thinking it was funny where uh, Harry is running down a hall. There's some vibrations. Nothing's falling. There are no rocks or anything falling on him. He thinks he hears a sound. He turns around, shoots his wand at something, breaks a part of a wall, and then he just runs away. And that was a that was a scene. And I, I realized why was that even there? And it's just because they they were trying to just sort of fill in these weird little action plot points to try and keep the momentum going. And it doesn't. It never felt like it really got anywhere. And then like the scenes in the castle where they're having these giant battles look cheap to me. Like their their big ogre guys don't look very good. And then it's just. You know, like they, they hide in a bell and the ogre hits the bell and you think, oh, they're going to have to fight this ogre. And then the ogre just looks, like, turns away and they don't have to fight the ogre anymore. And I, every action scene felt like that to me where th there's the other good one is the bridge um, where, you know, you know what happens on the bridge and they have to run and you're like, oh, that was exciting. But the whole time I'm thinking, why? These are magic user people. Why are they using a bridge? Don't they yeah. have want, like... Create a spell that could glide them. Well, they've, they, they've all got witches brooms. Like which is these people are are filthy with riches witches brooms in the past. I mean they use a they have a sport entirely based on witches brooms. I feel like these people fly. Um, so it's little things like that that just. But then you'd have to carry a broom around you with everywhere. I think if you're going to war, you carry a broom with you. <laughs> like I feel like you should be prepared like that, especially if you're going to a place where there's only two bridges and one of them has stone dudes and one of them is made out of wood and there's people who know how to make things explode. Um, I don't know. It's just. I never felt like the the action scenes were given any time to breathe or given any uh and they just sort of start like the one the fire room you were talking about before 
that room just sort of is suddenly on fire. Like, I guess it's the one kid casts a spell and can't control it or something. Right. But it just is sort of, it's suddenly on fire, and then they find brooms and they get out. And it doesn't, there's no complexity to it. It doesn't build. It just happens and they move on. Um, and it, I, I feel like it's because in the book, that's probably a long thing that they get to build out. And they felt like, well, we have to hit that point. But they don't treat it with the kind of respect that makes that an exciting scene. Um, and it, it brought to mind the fact that it I, I can't help but compare these to the Lord of the Rings movies, which might be unfair or cliche or whatever. Uh, but, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies, when they were making those, they first tried to make them two movies, and then the the studio said, no, you got to make it one, and they said, no, we're not going to do that. And they what, what that meant was that when they, when they finally were told they could make it into three movies, they had already stripped those books down to the very bare essentials. They'd looked at all those characters and said, what are the, 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 the things that we need to know about these characters, and how can we convey those things to the audience in the most concise ways uh, while still having action scenes that make this fun? Um, and then they were able to fill that out with the stuff they regretted cutting out when they made it into three films. These films just feel like the screenwriter just opens the book and goes chapter by chapter and says, like, and then this thing happens. And then they write the shortest version of that scene that they can. And it doesn't make for what feels like an organic story. It makes for this sort of convoluted, sudden, exposition-heavy story. See what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> All right. I'm going to talk. I'm, I don't know. I'm done. No, I think uh, where, where I, I mean I'll disagree obviously because I like no, and I, I know, and, and I, you know, I know that I'm I'm the like this is the opposite of the Transformers yeah, episode where yeah, no, I'm the odd man out again. Where no, 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 it's fine. You know, to me, actually, I think because you guys even mentioned something about the music, I thought the music in it was really good because it had that tension in it. But I, I, I mean, because when they're even the parts when it had the music had some sort of impending doom to it, like it had a brooding sense. Yeah, and you know most of, most of the time the the music is just like one little quiet tone in the background. Yeah, and you know the the part where see I think it was ex- exciting. I don't know if exciting is the right word, but uh, when Harry grabs Voldemort and they fall down, and he Voldemort's trying to cast away. Yeah, and then you know they crash, and then they have that huge uh, wand off. <laughs> and uh, to me, the the tension is built through the the buildup of these two characters finally facing each other, and it's something that people that follow the books and follow the movies really looked forward to yeah was to see harry actually get the opportunity to take voldemort out but here's something else i just noticed if harry has a piece of voldemort in him that hurts voldemort mm-hmm. why does harry even have to go up to voldemort and confront him why can't he just if he knows he has to die can't he just you know kill himself elsewhere and no because there was a random plot point where D- dumbledore said that no voldemort has to kill him voldemort well, well, has to no the, the reason one... is because voldemort has to the reason he did that is because Voldemort has to think he's won. Because the you can't get... Because the Horcrux is a snake, and Voldemort never goes yeah. anywhere without the snake. Yeah. So, you know, you have to think that Voldemort's won. Yeah, but the other Horcrux is Harry. Yeah, and so... So you have to destroy both of them, so can't they just destroy the snake and Harry can kill himself I mean, off screen? Yeah, he could kill himself, but then Voldemort still lives. Does he? Yeah, because yeah, there's a, there's he's, no, no, he splits no, his but, soul into these other things, he, but that's sort of like if he dies, he can come back. He so he, there's a, still a piece in him. He split his soul into seven parts, and it makes him invincible. So throughout the series, even in the second one where they found his riddle, Tom Riddle's diary, and Harry destroyed it, that was a horror crux before they even said anything about him. So by destroying it, it he loses his immortality more and more and more and his power more and more and more and more. 
So yeah. by stripping him of all of those, he becomes beatable. Before he wasn't, because he could do whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so he could... So he's still around even if there's all the horcruxes are gone. There's no, still no, one no. version of him left, so you gotta... Yeah, exactly, because his soul's him. still there. Yeah. So well, he, he can... Money and Ron could take care of that, I guess. Well, no, all his, no. his soul's been destroyed, but like that's why he came back. Because he put his... When that he killed Harry's mom, the spell rebounded and killed him instead after it hit Harry. Uh, he didn't die because he had his soul everywhere. And what his followers did is just basically resurrect him through his soul. And so he came back. And that's what I was trying to tell yesterday. I couldn't remember exactly. But yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, because I was so tired yesterday. I was trying to think of what happened. I was like, how did Voldemort it, even come back in the first place? And yeah, that makes sense that yeah, he, his followers so that's were... So if Harry gets rid of all the horcruxes, then you can get rid of Voldemort because he has nowhere else to go. In the book, do they call him a lich? Do they call Voldemort a lich? I don't think so. No, he's a lich. But uh, yeah, so to me, I, it was just a big payoff. And uh, I think the part where you th- you say, you know, it doesn't really build anything is because I don't think you really want to follow the other characters. You're, you're really focusing on Harry and Hermione. And oh, yeah, Ron. I don't want to follow the other characters. So that's why, why I so... think they just show little bits of what they're doing. Yeah, and but th- the problem the is that they, when you do, they... when you do that... For somebody who's trying to enjoy the movie as a movie and not just as I want to see these things from a book visualized, yeah, I feel I think... like those things interrupt the momentum and take away. The the scene you said, though, about jumping off the building, that was maybe my favorite shot of the movie, was that CG thing of the two of them flying at the same time. That was one of the coolest things in the movie. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that I probably the screenwriter and the people who make the movies take for granted is everybody's read the books. So, you know, when uh, one of Ron's brothers die, they, in the book, there's actually how he dies. When the werewolf and his wife die, they talk about how they die. You know, in this, you know, Harry's going through and he's seeing the destruction of what's happened. Yeah. And, you know, he's seeing all these people that have died. Yeah. And it, to me, I thought it was a, a, a great conclusion to a series that, I mean, this these kind of, this style of movie making, I mean, it's never been done before to, to no, best of right. my knowledge. It, it, is, it is really impressive. Well, and... It's impressive, but at the same time, I think well, these these books have made a lot of money. They're not really taking that big of a risk. As oh as no, no, it's not, it's not a risk. But I mean, yeah. it's cool that they had an idea, and you said they said decided that you know they're going to make these movies this yeah, way. They're going to make seven of them, and it's uh, to to hey. being a being a fan of the books and of the movies. I, I really enjoyed it because I thought it was a good payoff, especially because I knew how the book ended, and I really was looking forward to how they pulled it off on screen, and I was really. F- Looking forward to Alan Rickman playing Severus Snape as the guy who's in love with Lily, but yeah. that's why he didn't like James Potter's because he's the one who ended up with Lily, and yeah. he is always a shy guy. And I thought, you know, even the scene where he comes in, he finds Lily dead. I thought Rickman was great oh, in that scene. It was and, amazing. And when he was talking to Dumbledore, when Dumbledore's revealing his true nature as a villain, and uh, <laughs> and, and Snape, you know, his face and his act, I just, yeah, you know, even. I love too that you know he even then when uh, Dumbledore says you really care for the boy and then he cast his protective spell and then Dumbledore realized that the reason Harry has the same one is because of Snape and um, yeah so to me it's it's just cool to see the payoff and uh, yeah yeah and and that scene that whole memory section that you're talking about is I, I think the 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 most well crafted section of the movie that was the part where I was. Once again, I was in the movie, and there was yeah, but I like I was I was relating to these characters that 
you know, obviously since I haven't read the book, I'm not relating them to them from what I, I already I already know. I'm relating to them by what's happening right now. Yeah, but I, um, I agree with you too at the beginning. The beginning had this quiet tension to it. Oh, totally. And, you know, in uh, Warwick Davis, he plays two characters in that movie. That's so funny because mm-hmm. yeah. with the makeup and he's able to play two characters. But he was really good in that scene. And, I mean, he was creepy and he was trying to do his goblin thing. And, you know, that scene where him and Harry are talking... Is I think is really fascinating, and then when he went and saw the wand maker, yeah, you know, I thought it was quite fascinating. Yeah, you're you right. Know? That was really, and that I think that's part of why I feel so strongly about this, and because I feel like I was almost, I almost feel like I was duped. How disappointed I, I ended up being, because I really went into this with with very low expectations. Because I know I, I've never really enjoyed these movies. I like I like the first one, but then the second one to me is the first one again, and then by the fourth one, I was like, this is this doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> But I went into this, and it started in such a way that I was like, I was suddenly into this movie in a way that I I didn't expect I was going to be, you know. And then I just felt like it never, it it started to take off, and then just stumbled to the end. Um, I don't know. We also have to talk about the makeup at the end. Oh, do you whether know, or not that was a makeup. Think, I'll actually tell you a story about that. They shot a whole, they shot that whole thing with the actors wearing makeup. Yeah, but when they watched it he said it looks like you guys are just really fat <laughs> and so they went back and reshot it with digital effects because yeah. they couldn't effectively pull off them with makeup I, I don't think they effectively pulled it off with the digital effects either like it still felt to me like little kids dressing up as adults it did kind of feel that way especially especially, especially, especially Jenny's Ginny 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 Ginny's hair like just sort of teased up because the funny not... thing is, you know, Harry looked like he was older. But yeah. When I was looking yeah. at Hermione, she looked exactly the same. I'm yeah. like, 19 years, she doesn't age. And Ron, and then just, Ron, Ron was, just looked fat. Like, had a beer gut and was balding. Yeah. <laughs> Which was kind of funny, but... I think Ginny was the worst one, where she really was like... Like, they just put, like, crow's feet on her eyes and then teased her hair up a little. Yeah, because she was... I mean, I mean, these kids are still young. I think yeah. Radcliffe, I think he's t- just turned 21. So, I mean, they're still young people. And to see him, yeah, you're right, kind of seems like they just dressed them up old. and Yeah. Uh, but Jenny, because she looks so young anyways, even though she, I think she's 22 now, but she still looks like she's 13. And so, yeah, she looked kind of like she's playing dress up. I, I don't know why they didn't just have, uh, you know... Look like older actors. Yeah. Uh, we're, yeah. The audiences are, are smart and they know what's going on. You're not really, like, pulling one over on them. You can... You can throw in older actors and, and make it clear which ones are which, you know? Well, yeah, because, I mean, Harry Potter's so iconic with his glasses that... Yeah, yeah, you have the glasses on Harry, Hermione is a girl, and Ron is a redhead, and then there's a redhead girl. Like, that's all you need yeah. for us to know who's who. Um, and that, that scene doesn't really do much anyway, so I don't know why you needed to have the exact same actors. Am I am I right in here? In the, I I believe I heard that that is the scene that she wrote earlier on. Yeah, it's like one of the like first scenes she wrote. She wrote the beginning, and that was the end. J.K. Rowling. Yeah, that was like yeah. her second scene she wrote was that train station scene. As a writer, can I say I can tell? Because it doesn't <laughs> actually like relate to you. You could have that the whole story be uh, anything you want, as long as. Uh, you know the same characters get back together, and uh, Dumbledore and Sirius are are good guys. Like that's all that last scene does. You know what's funny is the screenwriter I read an interview with him. He was just struggling if they should put that in the movie. 
because he said, is it really necessary? Because everybody knows it. It seems out of place to me because yeah. for an epilogue to everything that just happened, it's really like far removed. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, and I it, would expect them to show, you know, months later, like Hogwarts is slightly rebuilt or something, or yeah. destruction or something. Yeah, yeah, because it also it also works to sort of erase everything. That's what it. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Because all of a sudden we're at the exact same scene from the first mo- from the first book or movie, um, and you're just like, oh well, everything is back to normal now. We didn't we didn't see the castle sort of half rebuilt or or completely rebuilt, but in a different way. It would have been more interesting to see like Harry teaching there and have a scene where he's you know something like that that really is um, yeah showing what he would be like as an adult. But the, I guess just... he got so many letters from fans saying they wanted that in the movie because they wanted to know that Harry Potter and them lived happily ever after, and yeah, so they they decided like. to add it kind of as like fan service, which what? is which is the opposite of <laughs> the the last of the the endings in Lord of the Rings where. You know, you could have had everybody lived happily ever after, but then they said, no, well, we have to have the Grey Haven scene where you find out that Frodo's, the, re- the next 10 years of Frodo's life were really shitty and he was never happy again, so he basically kills himself. <laughs> like, you know, anyway. Actually, I think maybe that 19 years later thing might have been a nice thing for after the credits. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that would be better. Been yeah, because, you know, the last scene where it fades out them on the bridge, I thought was actually pretty good. And yeah. you're probably right. After the credits would have been nice. Yeah. Because yeah, it feels like a bonus thing, like a fan service. Yeah. So if they just put it after the credits, yeah, it probably would have been less weird. Agreed. To watch. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Brad, would you see that movie again? Um, I'll, I will see it again because once they're all released on D- DVD, I want to go back and because... Uh, yeah, my mind's been separated from the other movies for so long. Mm. I want to watch them like twenty four, you know, straight yeah. through and <laughs> connect all the dots a little more. So would you say go see this movie in the theaters? Yeah, sure. James, I'd even, I would even say like if you're a Harry Potter fan, yeah. But if 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 you're in any way mediocre on these movies, I I would avoid it. I I, I should probably mend. Yeah, I think you also have to be interested in the Harry Potter. Oh yeah. If yeah. you're not, it's not going to make you more interested. In I it. really enjoyed it, and I had fun. So um, it's fun to see the payoff because I'm a Harry Potter fan. We see in 3D. Uh, I don't know. I don't. The only sequence I can picture in 3D was the roller coaster one. And there was a lot of well, and like like the dragon when it comes up through the floor. And that was an obvious. And saw the memory out. when the the plate be, went, yeah. came through. But I don't know. I heard it's pretty good in 3D though. But well, whatever. they they so took their, their they took their time converting it, so I would imagine, yeah, that it would be. So, what are we seeing next week, Ryan? What are oh, we're seeing Captain America next week? I am excited yeah. for Captain America. Hell yeah! So yeah, so we'll be seeing you next week of Captain America, and we did record a commentary for Night of the Living Dead. Which so check that out. <laughs> have you posted that yet? No, I was gonna. It's not like a weekly thing, so I was gonna. Put Just it up put when I get around to it. Cool. Yeah. So, and I get this. I named it Real Commentary. Ooh, it's like the name of the show, but with a different word. Exactly, like real news, real commentary. I'm so clever. I'm a little hesitant to put it up based on how much we rip on a certain ethnicity in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I have I'm to a it. little scared. Like it's not terrible, but at the same time, it's you know, if, if we ever rise to an extended level of popularity, it may come back to haunt us. <laughs> really? Is, is it really that bad? I haven't obviously I haven't listened to it since. Neither have I, but the my memory of it is a little. Like, wow, we really, uh, most of our jokes come from that. See, I don't think so. Like, I mean, I made, I made, because he punches a white girl in it. And so I kind of, the the lead character in Night of Living Dead is black. So I kind of play on that. But 
There's a lot of black jokes. <laughs> I don't remember that many. Yeah, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I'm sure there is. I think we cover every cliche, you know, African American really joke that you've probably ever heard from any comedian. I really, I don't even remember. Yeah, I remember I put out a lot we'll of let great the fans aside. I, I remember I put out a lot of great Night of Living Dead trivia in it, though. You did, you did that too. I actually, there's probably more of that than the jokes, but I was gonna say, as I, far I as the comedy good. bits, I was gonna say I thought it's like it was pretty good at. Uh, at uh, commenting on the movie in general, I, I I think you were. Yeah, I'm just saying that. Yeah, most of our hey, jokes are based on. You know, Brad, uh, post it online and I'll listen to it and uh, we'll, we'll find we'll out. The, we'll let the fans. And you know what? It. And if it's too bad, we'll just delete it. <laughs> it's like it never happened. Well, unless someone saves it, their hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> it's on iTunes forever. Yeah. So. Anyways, hey, see you next week for Captain America. I hope he punches Hitler. And check out our other websites. And yeah, check out our other websites. Brad, why don't you tell everybody about our websites? No, it's your show. You do it. I want you to do it. It's my show, so I'm telling you to do it. Damn it. Um, obviously, check out realnerds.tumblr.com for all the episodes and bonus episodes and any rants or ravings that oh, Ryan has to describe. Can I say one thing, though? I'm sorry that you brought up Tumblr. We had a th- we have a blog on there that we were going to take pictures of people being dickweeds in the movie, and they were going to post them on the blog. And ever since we've done that, we haven't had a problem with people in the theater. In fact, when we were at Harry Potter last night... This dude, for some reason, when Harry's looking at Dobby's gravestone, he goes, must, Hell yeah, Harry! And some chick from I don't know where yelled, Shut the hell up! And that was it. <laughs> and it was awesome. Yeah. Because there's some movies where people aren't going to put up with it. And, you know... I don't, I don't know what it is about midnight movies that attracts that for some reason. Like... You know, it's full of people who are all excited to be there. But every time I go to a midnight movie, the first ten minutes or so, there's a lot of, like, chatter and cheering at the wrong time. Yeah, I agree. So, anyways, I just bring that because you brought up our Tumblr, and we're going to start taking pictures of dill holes. And we're also going to start taking a picture of fandom. Yeah, we'll start taking pictures of fandom. We'll start being more... uh, Showing the flip side. Interactive on it, not just text. (laughs) Um, So, check out realnerds.tumblr.com. Uh, check out Cirque's Domain for uh, crude, rude humor based on nine aliens from another galaxy. Check out nebcast.tumblr.com for our previous podcast. has a couple uh, movie-centric episodes sprinkled throughout. And obviously, check out both those podcasts on iTunes. And you can like us on Facebook. We're real nerds on Facebook, of course. You can also find me on Facebook. I'm Ryan Frost on Facebook. And you can email me at rodstew2 at yahoo.com. So when... And please send us some mail because we haven't yeah, got any... Yeah, make sure you send mail. It can be hate mail. Yeah. Yeah. We, we want to read it. We or want just, to read it. Just forward us your spam. Exactly. We will read it online. Uh, but yeah, we'll see you next week with Captain America. Until then... Bye. Bye. Pretty sure fun. I'm Endicus. 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 Forgeticus. What's this? There's more bonus on our Harry Potter finale review? I mentioned earlier that we had technical difficulties when we recorded the beginning of the show, and we are now adding it to the end of the show. If you want to stay and listen to it with the DJ Brad remix of our podcast, trust me, don't adjust your dial. If it sounds like it's going backwards and forwards, that's just the amazing After Effects we added to it. Or it just saved wrong. Either way, enjoy! Hey, welcome to Real Nerds. I am Ryan. Next to me is... Oh, uh, James. I'm next to you this time. And next to James is... Brad. 
wow, Brad, that was uh, nerdy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said it like this, <laughs> Brad. It's because I'm hunched over and your dog is in my face again. Oh, he loves being in your face. Yeah, in my crotch sometimes. Totally. Anyways, uh, hey, welcome oh. to Real Nerds. Here, Stuart. This is our Harry Potter ending spectacular episode. I was trying to make it way more. Should we, I, yeah, I don't know if we. Should I don't know cheer. any Harry Potter catchphrases to make a cheer out of. So. Uh, I've I've learned that there's a whole uh, managing mischief thing. So you, everybody, every I just keep seeing people saying that the mischief has now been managed. I guess that's a thing. All right, three, two, one. The mischief has been managed. Woo! Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that a thing? Am I right? That's a thing. Uh, I don't. I've never heard it, but you know oh, what? Oh, yeah, okay. It's gonna be a good show. It's gonna be an awesome <laughs> show. We totally know what we're talking about. Uh, I do. I mean, I, I I've read all the books and I've seen all the movies, but I don't remember that phrase. But it might be. There's some people that have have read the books so much that I mean, they know them like someone knows a Bible, and that that's not me. Jericus. <laughs> oh, no, it was Jericho. What? Oh, never mind. <laughs> Anyways, hey, welcome to uh, Real Nerd. Sorry about that opening. That was bizarre. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is Harry Potter week, but we're gonna start this week like we do every week about movie news and i'm gonna start this week because my favorite wait wait let me put the, the oh, music cue fuck. in. oh yeah yeah that's right we're professional now oh yeah so hey have you we we, we, we haven't done it yet we gotta pause okay i, I think was gonna say welcome to real news oh 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 ooh. it's got a name now this guy he thinks he thinks i'm an ass clown just trying just trying to make it better i right, know which which of the times that we've paused a little is gonna be the time never mind Anyways, so this week's real news. Oh, Evil Dead. Yeah, Evil Dead. Evil Dead 4 is ramping up production right now. 4? Is it 4 or is it Evil Dead 1 and 2 again? You know, Because I, they're saying remake. Yeah, they are saying a remake, but they're also saying it's a sequel. So I'm not sure, sure exactly how it's going to play out. 2 is already a remake of 1. So. Exactly. Actually, it is not. And I can tell you, if you watch Evil Dead 1... At the very end, the force is going through the house, and then it goes through the house, and it, the camera zooms in on Bruce Campbell's face. And if you watch Evil Dead 2, the first 10 minutes is a recap of Evil Dead 1, and then the force goes through, and when he gets hit, right. that's a continuation of the story. So, yes, and they can say it's a remake, but it's actually not a remake. I Yeah, that's what I always thought. Like I, I, I had heard the, people call it a remake, and I thought, well, they don't... I, I, I never understood how it was... And I, I found that out from listening to Sam Raimi comment on it on the Evil Dead commentary. They probably said remake in the sense that he got to do something very similar again with a better budget. Yeah, I mean, yeah. basically, that's... Yeah. Yeah. And you know the original name for Army of Darkness? Evil Dead 3? Uh, no, it's actually the Medieval Dead. Ah, uh, that would that's be a good right. name. That's clever. And it would have been a good name, but the people at Universal are saying, no, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. If you've never seen Evil Dead at all. Yeah. But well, yeah. now see nowadays they would have called it Evil Dead Three, the Medieval Dead, or or yeah. Army of Dark, you know. But or they Evil would, Dead they would Three, have the Army made of Darkness. it a subtitle title. Yeah. But th there are a couple of interesting things about this. The first being that Sam Raimi is not directing it; he's producing it. Mm -hmm. Is what it looks oh, like. Weak. Well, I'm kind of okay with that. Like I like the idea of Sam Raimi going off and doing something because I don't really need to see Evil Dead again from Sam Raimi. Like, I've seen that, and I want to see him do something else. Um, and 
it means that he's involved enough that it's not going to be just like a, a shitty modern version of Evil Dead. You know, it's not going to be like the the sort of action movie versions of old horror movies they've been doing late, lately. You know, um, but I don't know. That to me is at least the the good side of the news. The weird side of the news is that it's being rewritten by Diablo Cody. Which, an unusual choice. An unusual choice. You know, I, I think Juno is a really good movie. I really do. I but, do too. But then, you know, then you see Jennifer's body and it's okay. And, but, you know, I worry, does her dialogue really fit in an Evil Dead movie? I, I, I don't think so, but... Well, I, I, it would be great if I believed that she could get away from that dialogue um, and just be a good writer and not use that, you know, her her quippy dialogue as a, as a crutch. Um... I, I just think it's weird. I, I feel like they chose her not for the right reasons. That's, that's what it feels like to me. I think they chose her because they thought, like, well, that'll put a spin on this that might make it something people want to see, not because we really want to make this the best movie. Yeah, I read a, what Sam Raimi said, and he said, basically, the reason he didn't want to direct it is because what you said. I mean, he's already told his evil dead. Yeah. And the guy who's doing it, you can watch a short film called Panic Attack, which won him the role as director and he wanted someone else's vision but he also is an executive producer so he has his hands really firmly on it and i I think he wrote the first treatment for it and he him and sam uh sam Sam, Sam raimi rob tapper and bruce campbell are all producers on it and it's through his ghost house productions which i mean they they make some fun movies and i mean drag me to hell was awesome yeah so I think it's okay, and uh, you know, uh, obviously Bruce Campbell's probably not going to be Ash in it. Yeah, that that was going to be my next question: that, was yeah. is is Bruce Campbell? Bruce Campbell has to be in the movie. I think. Oh, I think so too. I think it'd actually be pretty funny if uh, these kids go into the woods or something, and or th- they go into town, and Bruce Campbell is in that town now, and he knows of the uh, working at the S Mart, and he knows <laughs> what goes on in the woods, and he comes in and saves the day. That'd be pretty cool. He's the shift manager. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it would be cool if it weren't about Ash, but it'd be cool if, if Ash, Ash showed, showed up, up at the end yeah. to like raise hell. Now, yeah. if they do make the character Ash, who do you think would be a good choice to <laughs> fill that role? Oh uh, wow! Um, who would you guys choose? See, the hard thing is, is I think Bruce Campbell actually has a very unique delivery yeah. and a very unique persona. So I don't know. I, I couldn't find. I couldn't even think of somebody who would. Off the top of my head, I could just think of Nathan Fillion. I, I was going to say the same thing. But, <laughs> but the problem Fillion, is that... They're almost the same age, though, aren't they? Yeah. Well, Nathan's a little younger. Yeah, he's think, younger. But, I think Bruce Campbell's 52 or something. The, the thing is that when Nathan Fillion hams it up, I don't think that it... Uh, I don't think it comes across as genuine as it does when, when Bruce Campbell does. I agree. Uh, like, if you if you compare Army of Darkness, the, you know, the really hammy moments of Army of Darkness that are brilliant to something like... Um, uh, Dr. Horrible, where Nathan Fillion is doing that same kind of, you know, a little bit different, but that same kind of delivery, uh, I, I don't think that it comes off in... I think it comes off too slapstick than, you know... Yeah, but I can see how you could see that in them, because, I mean, they are similar in actors-wise, actually, I think so. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I Because you know they're going to cast some young guy to get 
stupid chicks in to see the movie. Yeah, as long as it's not like this could be like that Taylor Channing Tatum, Taylor not Taylor Lautner, Lautner guy. Now, okay, when we saw Harry Potter, everybody booed that Taylor Lautner movie, and I don't think it looks good. But everything I hear is that Taylor Lautner could be a good actor. Uh, I, he's just like making horrible decisions. Yeah, you know, I think it was funny. I think they were booing it because I think people thought it was a. I, I thought it was a Twilight trailer before oh, Harry yeah, Potter, right. yeah. and that's why I, I rolled my eyes. I'm like, oh. but then as the trailer went on, I'm. Yeah, thought, then it, it was just born. Yeah, it was just crappy. But how many good actors are in that movie? Oh, I yeah. saw Sigourney Weaver. Who else is in it? Um, everyone. Yeah, I don't oh, remember. Uh, uh, Molinas. Um, Alfred. Yeah, Alfred Molinas. Yeah, Alfred Molina. Molinas. Molina. Yeah. So yeah, so the Evil Dead Four was uh, the top of my list of interesting yeah. news this week, and it probably won't be titled that. No, I'll we'll um, probably call it the Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I am going to say something too. Uh, one of the biggest I, pet peeves is people think Evil Dead Two has a subtitle. It does not have a subtitle. It's Evil, Evil Dead Two. Um, if you look on the poster for it, when it has that skeleton with the eyeball in it, yeah. underneath Evil Dead Two, it says Dead by Dawn. And a lot of people think that's oh. a subtitle to it, but it does not have a subtitle. What is it? Is it just a tagline? It's just like a tagline, yeah. Oh. But I mean, I can see how people mistake yeah. that, but when I see it in movie reviews and in like literature, it drives me nuts because obviously people really didn't do their research about the movie. All right, calm down, nerd. Dead by Dawn is a good, would be a good title, though. It would be a good title. Maybe they should call the Evil Dead remake Dead I by Dawn. I know that there's, there's a student film called Gay by Dawn. Which is about guys, some guys in the woods around a campfire getting attacked by like a, a, a pink, furry tentacle. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I kind of want to tell you why I know that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it, it, it's a different podcast. Uh, there's a podcast called Geek, Geekscape where they main. Anyway, we're way off topic now. This just in. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, James, do you have some news for us this week? Oh, um, oh, James has a cheat sheet. I go off the, the top of my thing. head. No, uh, there's just a couple things here. First of all, uh, dude, Power Rangers. Oh, I yeah, just want to take a second to talk about Power Rangers. Uh, I there, there is a reason in the show why it goes from being Jason to Rocky. Like there's a there's a storyline there where they replaced yeah, transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just like in the movie they suddenly had changed the characters. No, no yeah, um, it's not what I meant in in the the last episode. I meant I I was just surprised that I remember the movie itself being with those characters. Oh, I I, I, see what you're I didn't mean that they just threw yeah. some new characters in there. I remember there was a I just didn't say yeah. it. But I didn't know the thing about Belloc. That was really cool. Yeah. That that uh, Doctor Ooze was played by Belloc, who, as far as I know, has not really been in much. Like I don't know that actor. Um, I try to th- there's uh, when I was looking up his IMDb, there was something else that like we liked that he was in, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But nothing like he was, he wasn't Hagrid. Um, you know, something where you would find know it. that character's name. No, I'm not gonna keep talking. <laughs> the only other thing really that I have now is the uh, excuse me, is the uh, the Hugo trailer which we got to see last night when we went to see yeah, Harry Potter. So it's it's. Uh, Martin Scorsese's new movie, which is apparently sort of a, it's about a kid. I don't know if it's necessarily a kids movie, but it, it's it looks you know on the same level as like you know the Polar Express or a Harry Potter movie as far as being you know for young kids sort of. Mr. McGorry's um, Magic Emporium. <laughs> yeah, but less less sort of 
goofy. Really? Because I thought it was really it goofy, goofy with goofy. Sasha Baron Cohen running around with, with the Dobermans like, hey, stop those kids! Uh, was yeah, he an Italian? He, I like, don't know. He, like, slides into a cake. Uh, it looks like a mess. It, it does. It looks like a complete... I can't believe that it's Martin Scorsese. It doesn't look It's too candy-coated. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I was really excited when all of a sudden Chloe Moretz was in the movie. Or she was in the trailer. But then... I, I don't, it, everything around her was just didn't look like fun at all i can't yeah. i don't understand that movie i don't understand its purpose for existing yeah and the 3d there was, it all, even, didn't there was a really lot of... forced like it was yeah. obviously we saw the trailer in 2d but you could tell like the camera was forced with like the spinning gears in front and yeah there was a lot of hey this is going to be really cool in 3d isn't it and uh, yeah yeah i don't i don't understand i don't I, maybe it's a bad trailer you know maybe there's more mystery to it but like the moment where in the trailer they show you that she has the key and he has the lock uh yeah i just like right then i was, I just thought this is this is just bizarre i don't know what to make of this at all yeah and did you notice last night that uh first was hugo and jude law was in the trailer and then next trailer was sherlock holmes and jude yeah. law was in the trailer yeah was this 1999 again <laughs> this is a warner brothers uh actors union going on here yeah no doubt because remember in 99 when jude law was in everything or I 2002 2003 i was like six yeah i mean i really don't know what year it was i just remember for a while there he was in tons oh of yeah he was Tons Whenever Arthur came out, dream. which was like 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's all the news I have. Yeah, Brad, do you have any news? And by the way, Paul Freeman was also in Hot Fuzz. That's what. Oh, that's nice. I have a news. Where? He was the priest for the mint. Oh, the yeah. Just shot falls over like, son of a bitch. <laughs> you were off the fucking chain. Yeah. I love that. Hot Fuzz, great movie. Wow. Uh, I've got some news. Oh, good. Um, oh, he's coming out of the closet, finally. You son of a bitch. <laughs> wow, I thought we were already making that joke. Never mind. God. I don't want to go back there. Yeah, it's not the first time he's <laughs> made that joke. Um, I, The big thing for me this week was uh, Netflix's new oh, that's right. pricing oh, yeah. strategy. Um, it's pissing off everybody. Which, including myself. You actually have uh, a Netflix account now, don't you? I do, but Laura pays for it, so I don't give a shit. And oh. after all the episodes where I <laughs> defended Netflix when you're like, I'm not sure I like Netflix. Yeah. And now I'm reconsidering well, my subscription. I think I think it's because they're trying to push people to go streaming only. Right. I think they want to try and get people to just stream. Really? I read an article where they want people to use DVDs to push their DVD. I swear really? I just read something about that. Yeah. Oh, maybe. No. Well, I mean, that doesn't seem it like it to me. Yeah, it seems like posters. what they just did yeah, is I know. the opposite. But I mean, that, yeah, I mean, I agree, but what did I read that? I swear I read an article where they're... The dude was quoted as saying that, you know, DVDs are important. I don't know. Whatever. I don't care that much. It's a it's a problem because I use, for the most part, I use my Netflix to get movies that, you know, I haven't seen or I haven't seen in a while, most of which are not on streaming. Um, and, and I, you know, I like having the streaming, though I don't use it that much. I will probably drop mine down to just DVDs, uh, which is a shame because I like being able to turn the PlayStation on and just find something and, and watch it. Um but if they're gonna take, if they're gonna make it twenty dollars a month to do that, yeah, it was a sixty percent price increase. That's a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't heard yet, uh, Netflix is gonna make streaming what seven ninety nine and DVD yeah. delivery nine ninety nine. And if you nine, want oh. both of them together, you gotta pay sixteen ninety nine. 
something like that before yeah. blu-ray so attack on another three to four dollars for the blu-ray delivery so you're looking at you know almost 20 bucks yeah to get the package that you're already paying about eleven dollars for i know i am yeah um and it really screws over high definition customers because like i do the dvd delivery so that i can get the exclusive titles and also the high definition versions because yeah they have streaming high def if you own a playstation or a blu-ray player with netflix in it but when you're streaming it, um, you can't. It's not a perfect 100% oh, no. height of stream all the time. No, no. It looks, it I don't think it, I don't think it looks good at all streaming. Right. So if, if you want to enjoy a high def movie perfectly, you got to get the disc, and um, you know that means I have to pay the 20 bucks to make sure that I get the quality movie that yeah. I want. And that that three dollars at when you're paying seven dollars, that three dollars isn't much. When you're paying seventeen dollars, that three dollars is a lot. Oh a lot. yeah, it's a big difference. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's really a shame. Uh, now, if the streaming catalog didn't have movies being, you know, coming in and out, yeah. being locked out, then I could justify paying the twenty bucks because I can access whatever I want in their catalog whenever. But yeah, yeah. If along with this, they had said we're also making a bunch of new deals to get lots of more movies, which there's been there's been news about that where they're, you know, making deals with you know getting their hands on their Miramax movies and things like that, which is cool and exactly what I want them to do. Uh, but they didn't also say, along with this news, that we're going to beef up the streaming. So it, it it doesn't feel... I feel like I need to choose one or the other now instead of... Because before it was like, well, one one disc at a time and the streaming is plenty. Right. You know? They're, they're charging you more, but you're not getting anything more out of it. It's like they... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pl- in order to get a ton of customers, they they took a hit, you know, like PlayStation and Xbox. They said, let's bundle these together, make it 11 bucks, and put Blockbuster out of business. And now that they're out of business, for the most part, now we're stuck mm-hmm. with, oh, we, did, we didn't tell you that this costs us a lot to do. And we're running, you know, we're not making the money that we need to. So this whole time it actually cost us $17 to do this. And now we're going to all charge you for it. Surprise! I, I have a hard time believing that it's really costing them. I know. I think they just posted that they had record profits. Yeah, yeah. it uh, still probably only cost them eleven dollars, and they're just. Oh, I, well, I mean, it doesn't cost I, them eleven dollars because there's no way they'd make money. It costs them way less than that. Well, yeah. I, I yeah. think that it probably is a thing. It, it's probably exactly what I want, which is that they probably want to start making more money so that they can start spending that money beefing up their streaming. Yeah. You know, buy actually actually buying the rights. Uh, to get new releases yeah. streaming. So that they, because in the past, like the streaming has been as good as it has been pretty much because of their deal with Stars, where the movies that are on Stars have been on, on Netflix, and that deal is going away sometime this year, uh, or at the very least getting renegotiated for, I'm sure, a whole lot more money. So they probably just want to make the money, make more money now so they can start spending that money beefing up their, their streaming. But I want them to say that, you right. know? I want them to tell me that there's something good on the horizon, so that I continue to pay for something it. Otherwise, worth your extra money. Yeah. 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 I read like in one hour they had forty thousand responses on their Facebook page, like all negative. Ugh. Yeah. So I guess people are telling Netflix to stick it up their ass. And, and also, if- someone like me with a huge wall of DVDs, you know, it's not that hard for me to also say, just I don't want either. Yeah. You know, yeah. Half the titles on my shelf aren't on your streaming. So. And the truth is that I. Uh, like the movie that I have, the DVD that I have now, 
I've had it for unfortunately a couple months now and still haven't watched it. Um, and I haven't watched anything on streaming for a while. It, if it's going to be twenty dollars, is it cheaper for me uh, in the long run to just say, well, then I'll start buying a Blu-ray or two once you know each month for e- either the same price or a little bit more, but at least then I have it, you know. And it goes back to my argument of having physical copies of things. <laughs> yeah, I like renting things. Like, if it's a, I don't want to have to buy Easy A and watch it and say, oh, oh, that was good, and then never watch it again. You know, I would rather be able to rent that for cheap. But um, I also want to be able to check out, like, say there's a catalog title, like I converted, uh, put on Blu-ray. I want to make sure the transfer is good before I spend the money this on buying it. So that's like another bonus of being able to get blu-ray discs in but yeah yeah i don't know if it's worth twenty dollars to do that now <laughs> yeah i could just pay twenty dollars and own it yeah the other thing is i might just uh go streaming only and then like the movie i have right now is miller's crossing and i rented it because i hadn't seen it in a while and i thought there was i was tempted to buy it on amazon at one point and i thought oh, no i'll just you know i've got netflix i'll just rent it I'll, i could just go streaming and then movies like that where i just want to watch it again but i can't get it on streaming i might just buy it mm-hmm. you know what's the worst that could happen yeah so fuck you netflix unless you want to buy some ad space on our on our podcast <laughs> which you can do for twenty dollars you guys need a little uh image pick me up so we can do that for you yeah we can we'll craft a commercial that'll sell netflix next week we'll talk about how awesome netflix is yeah, yeah totally see so we we turn coat really quick oh yeah Really is uh, the movies we've been watching part of the news segment, or is that a separate segment? That's a separate segment. All right. But, I mean, did we, we skip that segment? No, it's right now. Yeah, I was oh. just wondering, because we're... Let's start the other, the next segment. Yeah. Uh, hey, what have you guys watched this week, Brad? <laughs> um, I have watched two things. One in the theater, other than Harry Potter, and one Netflix DVD that I was holding on to for two, holding on to for two weeks. <laughs> um, in the theater, I watched a movie called Submarine. Oh, has anyone heard of it? No, it I've isn't. heard of it. Um, it's a movie. It's a British movie about... Um, Boring. Next. <laughs> that's what I thought. The other movie was on... Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, I'm serious. Go, go, you can tell us. I, I want to hear about Submarine and, and those weird kids' haircuts. Uh, I thought it was cute. Yeah, weird. Yeah. What, what's it about? It's, I've uh, never even heard of it. It's about this kid. It's, it's the movie starts out saying, you know, there's like a disclaimer from the author of the book for the movie. Um it's supposed to be autobiographical and he's basically the disclaimer is this is going to be a sto- like such a weird story that it just had to be told and then you end up watching the movie and it's not that bizarre like compared to a lot of okay so i asked you what stories. it was about i'm getting to that <laughs> well, see, at, the, at, the, at the end a t-rex comes out of the woods i'm such an <laughs> asshole <laughs> anyways go ahead I don't know. I, I so, crushed my my momentum. So, so it's he so said it's, it's weird. Like, it's like a romantic. He's claiming his story is weird, really off the wall, and interesting. And but then you the watch story it. Is it's about... kind of just a regular. Uh, his parents are going through a hard time. Um, you know, they they seem really uninterested in each other, and simultaneously, he's trying to uh, hook up with this girl at school who has the same haircut. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's about the, like the devolving of his parents' relationship, and also the burgeoning of this girl that he um, has been enamored with for a while, their relationship, and uh, he's trying to keep his parents together and also um, keep her interest at the same time. 
and it's, then there's all this the quirky stuff that ensues and there's this uh the trouble is there's this guy that his mom used to date moves in next door to them and uh his dad stole her away from that guy um that guy's like this evan evangelist type where he's selling goofy wisdom uh to the neighbors and like he has these seminars and people come in and just just hear what he has to say like those i don't know what those are technically called i i don't know something yeah i don't know like here's my you mean like in life on tape huh you mean like in magnolia i haven't seen magnolia oh never mind like like a a, motivational speaker thing yeah like yeah yeah, motivational speaker thing so um because the wife's getting bored she starts going to his motivational things and the kid gets scared so he sets up all these plots to ruin that guy's life yeah he like breaks into his house destroys his stuff pisses on his books so uh is this movie good brad it's cute Uh, i don't know if it was great because it just sold itself it's like this is gonna be so off the wall crazy and it's not that bizarre i mean yeah um it's about i think napoleon dynamite's kind of a weirder movie but yeah i mean yeah it's it's the characters are interesting and the way the way his what makes a difference is how it's presented because the kid thinks of his life as a movie so it'll like once in a while it'll cut to like super eight footage of the, the, what's going on in the scene you just saw but like at a different perspective hmm. so and i think he had some like titles on the screen or stuff and then some of the like there's this part where he gets uh really sad and depressed and he's laying on his bed and then as the camera pulls back like the bedroom turns into water and ocean and everything. That sounds very indie. Yeah, it's like that that very sort of cliche indie. Yeah, it's got this yeah, indie soundtrack and stuff and yeah. yeah. So that's my biggest problem with indie movies is sometimes they try too hard to be indie. Yeah. Oh for sure. You know? I think the movies that are successful when they're independent don't try to do that. Yeah. Anyways, what else did you see, Brad? And then the Netflix disc I had was Pirate Radio or the book Mm. that rocked. (laughs) <laughs> um, which I was interested to see, and after watching it, I'm, like, I thought it was a good movie, but it didn't blow me out of the water. Yeah, no pun the, intended. The, the third <laughs> act is sort of sudden. I feel like the whole know. movie was just if what I got from it was the director really likes British rock and roll music. Yeah, and he just wanted to make a movie that reminded you, oh, isn't the rock and roll lifestyle awesome? It, <laughs> it felt to me like it really wanted to be almost famous but didn't quite have the heart. There's a lot of similarities, as I remember, between, you know, as far as uh, this young kid gets involved in all this music stuff and, you know, falls in love with this girl, sort of. Um, but then the the third act, we don't need to talk about what happens, but when the end comes, uh, it just is very sudden, you know. And things just sort of... Ha- and, and there's some bizarre, not quite realistic occurrences in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um but it's still a good movie, I think, and, and worth a watch. Yeah. Yeah. Worth at least one watch, yeah. Yeah. So. That's all for me. James, what have you seen? Um, well, I didn't see much. I did get a chance last week to go see Horrible Bosses. Obviously not with you guys, but and that was that was great. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but uh, J- Jamie Foxx's character is amazing. Motherfucking Jones is... <laughs> the, the, the Motherfucker Jones is one of the best character names in a long time. Uh, so better even off movie <laughs> maybe yeah the, the, but you can't title that movie motherfucker jones so and that would be most of why that would be great um motherfucker jones <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. 
Can you, I cannot believe that there is a movie coming out for children called Puss in Boots. Can, can, I, 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 sorry. It's, it's been it's, a children's book for years. The story of Puss in Boots? We did a children's theater play in school. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. It's that, that That's not just a character from Shrek. That's a literary no. character. Well, no, no, no. It, before that, it's, it's the name of... It's what they called, like, bar and brothels in port cities before like that is a, that, to me. That's a yeah that that's what that that is an adult joke about well some adult wrote a very sleazy children's <laughs> book about it i guess as, as i understand that's how i always understood it <laughs> maybe um, the author was just like i'm gonna make this cute children's story but you know insert these little yeah i'm pretty sure that's what it was because i'm pretty sure subtext. it's it's puss in boots and the in is like apostrophe n apostrophe you know, like, because it's a place to sleep, mm-hmm. and there's also puss. Oh, like, I guess you're saying. See, yeah, yeah I got that. Yeah, part, yeah. yeah. Um, that's how I always understood it. I'm just maybe, trying to remember. Maybe the book some now. dirty person just told me that at one point, and I <laughs> believed them. Uh, but anyway, and I don't even remember how we got. Oh, motherfucker Jones. Yeah, yeah, motherfucker Jones was great. Um, and the only other thing I watched this week was I. My parents have been watching through. Uh, justified and i've been watching with them and they finally caught up finished season two anybody who's not watching that show should be watching that it's my favorite show on tv right now and i I can't wait until february when it comes back so between all the fantastic yeah between now and february you guys should uh, i have the first season on blu-ray and anybody who wants to borrow it you guys should try and and at least i'll check it out check it out yeah i think it's streaming on netflix actually so it might be for those of us who decide to keep streaming, <laughs> till September first, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll make my yeah, decision. Yeah, you have a, a couple months to sit on. What yeah, decision? Yeah, I'm mulling it over. I'm. It, it'll be like LeBron James, the decision. <laughs> so, what did you watch this week, Ryan? Uh, I watched BTK, which is Kane Hodder is playing the BTK serial killer, but loosely based on the real life serial killer, which is um, Bind, Torture, and Kill. Is how he got his name. Huh. And by I say loosely based, I mean incredibly loosely based on this guy. Uh, and I, I, I watched it because Kane Hodder, if people who don't know, played Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, mm. 7, 8, 9, and 10. And so I, and he's in a dramatic role. So I'm like, you know what, I'll check it out because, I mean, it's different. And, you know, but it did also on Netflix. This is the only thing I do like about streaming Netflix. I'm not a big fan of it. But at least it has movies on there that I would never buy or I've never paid a rent. And at least I can check it out. Exactly. And when Netflix, because, you know, all the stars are rated by people who watch the movies. So you get movies that I think are totally garbage and they still have like four stars. So, you know, they're skewed. But this movie had two stars. So I'm like, hmm, this might be a little, a little <laughs> iffy. But surprisingly, Kane Hodder is not bad in it. Uh, he plays. He's, he's actually acting. Yeah, he's, he's actually acting. He's not just stalking and slaughtering people. <laughs> and he's surprisingly good in it. With what materially is given, you know, independent slasher horror movie that has no budget. And, you know, it's it's interesting. It is an okay movie, but the the part that I always think when horror movies try to go... Like, if they're cheaply made, I, I think where they really struggle is in the secondary characters or co-stars. Yeah. Because his daughters in it were the worst actresses ever. <laughs> and so, so you know, when you have an actress so bad when they do a line read, it just really takes you out of the moment no matter oh. 
what it possibly could be. Like Rosie Hunting and White Lane Transformers 3. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you just say, what the hell? Why are these people even given these dramatic lines? Because they, they, when they found out that their father was a serial killer, because he, I mean, the true story of him is he was, he was the president of his church. He, this guy would, for 30 years, was murdering people. Wow. And he was in charge of his church. He was a father. Nobody knew the secret life. But what he would do, he'd go away to a different nearby city and he would find these people, torture them, and then kill them. And he, the reason they took the police so long to find him is because he was really random in his acts. Yeah. And then he stopped for a while. Then he started again. And the police found him because he sent, he used to send letters to the police saying, oh, I killed this person, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But then he sent them an electronic mail, which <laughs> now is shortened to email, which there's always a trace. Uh, you can ask Republican Wiener about that. Yeah. I mean, Representative Wiener, he's a Democrat. Uh, but, you know, that stuff never goes away. That's how I found him. And so this movie kind of played on that. And so I'd see it if you're a Kane Hodder fan and want to see him do something different, which he's not bad in it. You know, he played a, a happy-go-lucky guy. And then when he came to the part where I actually think maybe that's why he was effective in it. Is you know he just plays a hey I'm this guy and I'm a code enforcer and I'm really strict, but, but then when he got to the parts where he had to physically harm people he was pretty brutal and I that probably comes from him playing Jason Voorhees yeah. where he knows how to make it amp it up. But so it's it's good if you like him, but if if you compare it to something like Zodiac or something, oh, like that, dude, it's not. If Zodiac is your A, this would be the Z because <laughs> it's. The, the rest of the movie just crumbles. Oh, shoot. It just crumbles because he's good in it, but when he's not on screen and you have to, you're forced to watch his daughters say some sob story, you, you just want to fast forward. So, yeah, I watched BTK. Weird. And for the first Harry Potter. But we'll get into that later because we're going to take a commercial break and we're going to come back and we're going to be discussing Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 2.